0: Hello, my name is Dr. Samuel Kim. And I'm Sharon Kim. And welcome to Research Sense for Korean American Therapy, a podcast that removes barriers and gives you a rundown of the latest Korean American mental health research.
1: Today's topic is on culturally specific parent mental distress, parent-child relations, and youth depression among Korean American families. This was written by Miwa Yasui, Taeyeon Kim, and Yusun Choi in 2018. So Dr. Sam, what is the background and problem of our research article today? Yeah, before
0: we get into the real specifics of this study, and let me just say there's a lot of things that were talked about in this study that can get a little complex, and we're not going to dive that deeply into it because it's much easier if we explain it with diagrams and figures mm-hmm. and things, but I don't know how to do that through a podcast just yet. Okay. So we're going to kind of skim through some parts of this study. But where I do want to start is talking about youth depression. So the World Health Organization, so this is adolescents across the world, depression is one of the leading mental health problems for this group. And just to give a, a sense of how damaging depression is, in the U.S., the cost for care for depression could be as high as $19 billion. So this is a huge investment that's going into the care for depression. And so depression being so common, this is something that we really do want to pay attention to and something that we are spending a lot of resources on.
1: Yeah. So this is not just like a world crisis. It's also an economic crisis. Like we are investing a lot on care on depression and probably we might need to spend a little bit more on preventative measures. And that's what we are going to talk about today. What are some things that families can do, parents can do with their kids to alleviate that situation, to alleviate depressive symptoms?
0: Yeah. And talking about those families, we want to bring it back to Asian Americans and particularly Korean Americans, because I believe that one of the strengths and assets that we have as Asian-Americans is this family connection. Mm. It's you know leaning on one another. Mm. And I think it's going to be really important for us to do that, especially considering that Asian-American youth and young adults are more likely to suffer depression than their white counterparts. And so this is going to be much more prevalent amongst Asian-Americans.
1: And even among Asian youth, Korean-American youth, have the highest risk of depression, especially when they're compared to Chinese, Japanese and Filipino youth, and their depression rates can be as high as 40%.
0: Like I knew that depression was an issue amongst Korean Americans. I didn't know it was that high. This was something that was new to me.
1: Yes, that is so high. 40% of Korean American youth might be struggling with depression, living with depression. That is just Wow. And it's not just youth too, it's also adults, right? So Korean American adults report a substantially high rate of mental distress. And this might be because some one thing that the article pinpoints is Korean Americans are known to be more culturally and ethnically separated from other from the rest of the society. So. You know, you can tell this by, you know, Korean American adults have a lower level of English proficiency, they attend, they're more likely to attend Korean ethnic groups, such as, you know, going to a Korean church, going to a Korean temple, and socializing primarily with other Koreans.
0: And that's okay if you live in a place where you're going to work, play, and spend time with family, and it's all Korean. But for the vast majority of Korean Americans living in the U.S., you live in places where you're going to be working with those who are not Korean. And so if you are not able to build some of those relationships, will that become a problem?
1: Mm -hmm. And what the research was saying is that environmental stressors, so the way Korean Americans have adapted to living in the U.S., right, so being a little bit more isolated from the rest of the group, these all come with consequences, called environmental stressors, such as, you know, because of the cultural isolation, they have more cultural barriers, language barriers, difficulty integrating into the mainstream culture, they face discrimination. And so all these can actually have an effect on the parents when they go to work, like Dr. Sam said, and then when they come back at home, that can affect the parent-child relationship.
0: And these could be immigrant families, these could be second generation families, or if there are listeners out there who listen to the first episode of our second season, these could be those transnational families as well. So there are lots of barriers that could add to, I'm not willing to say cause, but these are things that can contribute to various stressors that can exacerbate or kind of create more of these mental health issues amongst the families.
1: Dr. Sam, how does a parent's mental health from what you know so far and what the research states, like how does a parent's mental health affect the child's mental health?
0: Very much so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm going to spin that question a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I would say if there are parents listening to the podcast right now, Mm -hmm. I want to ask them when your kid is not doing well, Mm -hmm. do you feel happy? Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel great? And many parents will say, no, I just feel this gut wrenching pain inside. And I would say your kid, even if they are not expressing it to you, are feeling that kind of distress when they see you not doing well too. So Mm -hmm. there is this strong connection between parent and child in Korean American families. Yeah. What I think is really interesting is that Within the Korean community, if there is a strong relationship between parents and their children, there is this cultural kind of disorder that was probably, and it actually appeared in the older version of the DSM called Hwapyeong. And I love how you put in our notes, Sharon, that it's roughly translated as anger syndrome. I didn't know that's how, that's exactly what that meant. But Hwabyeong can fast through a lot of physical symptoms, such as insomnia, fatigue, panic attacks. You know, one thing that I thought was just super interesting, when Koreans talk about these mental health stressors or stressors they are experiencing in your life, they always talk about indigestion. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're not digesting properly. And that's sort of like code for, okay, this person's going through a lot of stress.
1: I think I had a whole discussion once with my husband where we were saying, you know, I, I don't think there's any other ethnic group that talks about indigestion this much because we say, oh, you know, that's for me sharing that I am going through something, right? Like, I don't, I don't have an appetite these days. I, don't, I have indigestion. Like, I can't go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Who? Like, that's TMI. Like, who would ever express, like, their stool problem to you? But what that's a more acceptable way for us to mm-hmm. share about what we're going through.
0: And, you know, what was interesting is this is mildly tangential, but I was working with a researcher in Korea who was looking at Taepyeong, So that second year of college disease, Taepyeong, oh. And they created a scale for it. And I was going through the measure because I was thinking, oh, is this something we could bring to the U.S. and kind of see if the same phenomenon happens there there was a whole section in that scale about, oh, I have regular bowel movements, <laughs> or my digestion is not doing well. And I thought, uh-huh. their American counterparts are going to look at this, Like, <laughs> why are you asking me these questions? And that made me realize that there are cultural differences in how yes. we talk about, think about, and express yes. these stressors that we're going through in life or mental health issues.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. I learned through this article that One study found that 17% of Korean American women and 8% of men report suffering from Mm hwapyong. And that is actually much higher than the Korean general population. In Korea, generally, people experience this about 5%. But in, yes, but here in the Korean American society, it's much higher, which might show that immigrants may experience higher stressors than, you know, living back at home, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. And I've only done a little bit of reading in this area. So Sharon, if I say something that doesn't quite fit with your cultural understanding of Koreans, <laughs> please let us know. But my understanding of Pyong is it comes a lot from this bottling in. Like mm. uh, for a lot of Koreans, they can't always express exactly how they're feeling. They have to right. bottle it up. And once you bottle up so much, you start to experience Yeah, hab-yong. That was an understanding that I had of it.
1: Yes, I think so. I agree that it's something that people just bottle in and instead of expressing it in a way because regulating emotions, being able to show that you have control, self-control over your emotions is such a valued characteristic. Mm-hmm. Instead what they do is express it through their through physical symptoms like okay, I can't say I am going through depression right now, but instead I can say I can't sleep. I can't sleep very well. Right. So Mm -hmm. those are, I think, some things that are more socially acceptable.
0: I don't know about you. I'd rather have a social faux pas than indigestion issue. (laughs) That's just me personally growing up in the U.S. So if Hwa and other kinds of mental health stressors are such a big thing and a big part of Korean Americans, it is not that big of a leap to think, okay, this is something that can be seen in a family and Mm -hmm. for it to affect others. So let's say that you are bottling up all of these Mm -hmm. really strong emotions. You're not hiding it from anyone, Mm -hmm. especially within family. Family can tell if you're going through something, particularly kids, kids are really sensitive to emotions that are being experienced by the parents especially if they're hidden emotions. Mm. Because as parents, you might think, oh, I'm hiding this from my kid. I'm protecting them from the reality. They're seeing it as even doubly scary because they're experiencing something and I don't know what it is. I don't know when, uh, to use the American idiom phrase, when the other foot's going to drop. I don't know when this is all going to explode. And so Mm. the kid's just kind of anxiously waiting for this bomb to explode at some point. So yeah, families going through mental health stressors are going to affect the entire family. Mm -hmm. And that's what this study is looking at. It's how do the characteristics of the mother and the father affect the child and the mental health of the child, specifically depression? So where do they collect their data from? How was this research conducted, Sharon?
1: So they had collected, there was existing data. That data had been, you know, had been collected in 2007, but these were 220 Korean American youth, which their average age was around 13. They were from, you know, 11 to 14 years of age. So 220 Korean American youth, 272 mothers who average age there, it was about 43 and 164 fathers their average age being 46. So in total, these were about 119 families that were surveyed, and they had to fill out the surveys, a series of surveys, in order to show how, if they were experiencing hwapyong, how they did their parenting. So were they showing direct or an indirect affection to their children? And then children also had to fill out whether they had any depressive symptoms and also if they were feeling like they were receiving indirect and direct affection from their parents.
0: And I think that's something that's really important to highlight here. It's they surveyed both the parents and the kids. So Mm -hmm. it's how affectionate I am as a parent to the kids, so from the parents' perspective, as well as the kids saying how affectionate are my parents to me from the kids' perspective. And they were looking at both of those.
1: So what I really appreciated about this article is the study is that they didn't ask the adults, hey, how depressed are you? What they asked instead was a more culturally sensitive way, right? They asked them, do you have any sensations in your body when you're upset? do you have a feeling of boiling or burning up inside when you're angry? And that is such a better way, a Korean way to ask and to measure whether really they're dealing with depression.
0: That's such a, important thing that you're pointing out because you're right if we just asked them are you experiencing any mental health problems right now <laughs> okay. that would not go I cannot
1: imagine adults yeah. feeling that yes
0: <laughs> and and from my perspective I think that mental health problems would be underreported amongst mm. the Korean adults if you asked a question like that or even if you asked exactly. something like do you feel sad most of the time or mm-hmm. do you feel depressed or are you anxious about different things and so asking it in a more culturally sensitive way, okay, this might be a little bit of a leap and I might get in trouble here, but I would say that questions like that are not necessarily just specific to Young, but it is how families experience stressors and how they mm-hmm. talk about mental health problems as they talk about these physical symptoms that they are having. Mm-hmm. And even within the physical symptoms, it's that boiling, burning that they have, that their digestion is not going well, or another phrase that I've heard commonly is it's yeah, how would you directly translate as it? like bodily problems or like bodily pains? Bodily aches all over, like aching all
1: over. And it's like something that you feel right before getting a really severe flu or cold.
0: Yes, yes. I've always heard it in terms of a flu. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So I think in, in the Korean family, right, I, it might be going on a tangent here, but if my mom said, "Ah, oh, I feel like I have these aches all over me, I immediately think, okay, something's wrong. Hmm. Is there something going on with your life? Like, is there a problem with that? Like, what's going on? You know, so for me, it was indirectly, I learned that that was not, even though it wasn't, it wasn't ever taught to me that way. I knew that it was more than just a physical symptom. There was something going on that was affecting her and making her feel
0: that way. And isn't that so strange that your mother would say, oh, I feel like I'm getting a lot of overall body aches. Mm -hmm. Your first thought is everything. Okay. Like what's (laughs) going on with your life versus, oh, were you out in the cold or do you think you're getting the flu or, you know, did you go see a doctor to get some medication? It's like, Mm -mm. is everything okay? Are you fighting with that? Or, you know, (laughs) what sort of social things are going on? And that's, I think, an important aspect of that, not how Koreans experience mental health issues, but more of how do we express it? Yes. And how do we talk about it? Yeah. All right. So, they did the study with a whole bunch of families, 119 families, with a bunch of mothers, fathers, and kids. So what were the results of the study? Well, they found that fathers had significantly greater prevalence of Hapyong than mothers, which is a huge surprise to me. Mm. Unless you stop to think about it, it's like, well, if you are in a brand new country and you immigrate over, there is a lot of responsibility that is shouldered by typically the father in Korean American families. And also they are typically the spokesperson or the one who's representing the family in a lot of legal matters or tax matters or just doing paperwork that you have to do.
1: Yeah. And these fathers, 93% of them were employed full-time, whereas mothers, only 41% of them were Mm -hmm. employed full-time. So I'm sure working outside the house full-time and all that creates a lot of the environmental stressors we talked about
0: both fathers and mothers reported that, no, we're not rejecting to our children, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. Um, <laughs> not to say that they're lying, but that is a good thing. Like they don't perceive that they are, they have any feelings of rejection to their children. Mm-hmm. It's, well, for me, it's not surprising, but uh, it could be surprising some that fathers reported that they don't provide as much direct or indirect affection as mothers would.
1: hmm And another thing that the researchers found was that the depression of children was positively related to intergenerational conflicts and feeling ashamed of their parents. And also, If the students felt like they weren't receiving direct and indirect affection from their parents, that in turn negatively impacted their depressive symptoms.
0: So yeah, so not only does direct and indirect affection from parents increase uh, depressive symptoms amongst children, but let's take a specific look at fathers. So if fathers are experiencing Mm Hapyong, that has a negative effect on that father-child relationship and there's a possibility of increasing some cultural conflicts or misunderstandings between the two about why they're going through what it is that they're going through. And that in turn can contribute to the mental health of the children.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And interestingly for mothers, however, the mother's huapiong is not associated with youth depression. So mm. even if the mother is depressed, it doesn't seem to impact the child's mental health. However, for our Korean American youth bonding with one's mother is actually really helpful in lowering youth depressive symptoms. We don't see that in fathers, but bonding with mothers, like your own mother is really helpful in lowering the child's depressive symptoms.
0: So we need to not have cultural conflicts with our fathers and we need to have a better relationship with our mothers is what I'm hearing through those.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, maybe. I don't
0: want that to be the lesson that our audience takes away. Please have good relationships with both of your parents if possible. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we're seeing that the relationship of both fathers and mothers can have an impact on the mental health of youth. And I think that's a good general overall takeaway. It's like, yeah, both parents are important to the well being of the child.
1: Yes. What is the implication? After reading this research article, what are we taking away? And what can our listeners take away from this? And one thing is the way that a child perceives the relationship to be with their parents. Do I feel loved by my parents? And do my parents show affection to me? That's the most significantly related to their depression. It doesn't matter what the parent says, yes, I am showing affection. I am buying them all these things. I am doing all these things for my child. It really what matters is how their children perceive their parents' affection to be not the other way around.
0: And I want to add to that, that is, as Sharon said, it's not just buying things for their kids or like you know <laughs> making them happy with like a piece of candy or a toy. Some of that relationship can be built through building a relationship with your child, like talking with them, playing with them, doing different things with them. Like one of the fondest memories I have with my father is when he tried to teach me how to play paduk, and (laughs) I love my father. Let's make that very clear, but he is not a very good paduk teacher. (laughs) So we always ended up playing Omok or like just getting five in a row, but we would spend hours playing that. And that's just something that is really important to me. And I think we built our relationship to that. That didn't require him like taking me to the toy store or buying me a new video game. That's just something that we were able to do together.
1: That's such a beautiful imagery of... even if you feel like as a parent, you can't really communicate with your grown child or your adolescent child because of language barriers, just spending quality time with them, something that you both understand is helpful. And it's really valuable for your child. Even when they grow up, they're going to remember that as a time where they bonded with you. So it doesn't necessarily have to be deep conversations, looking eye to eye about something. No, like you just, you can just spend time fixing furniture together, setting up something, decorating your room or playing paduk, omok, you know, whatever it is. Or one thing that we we did with my in-laws family, the way we bonded was we played Unori together. And oh oh, man, it got so loud, so competitive, (laughs) very fast. We weren't betting money, but we were giving gift cards to each other. So, okay, everyone bring out your gift cards, everything that you haven't used so far. And then we would play for those gift cards and it just Mm -hmm. got so competitive. But Mm -hmm. that was just another way to bond.
0: It it is wonderful. And I would also add to that now with... Netflix and so many different ways to watch things online. Mm -hmm. Watch a Korean drama together. I mean, some of these are really good and the subtitles (laughs) are getting better and better. I get less angry at the subtitles now. It's like, okay, that is (laughs) a good translation of that. And that's something that the parents or the first generation parents can watch and understand what's going on. And what a great way to ask questions. Be like, why can't so-and-so do this? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's because of this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's lots of opportunities that doesn't require you to sit down with, hello, kid, tell me your deepest, darkest secret.
1: Um, (laughs) Although one thing I do mention in my MSG workshops with parents is, you know, I especially encourage fathers to express their emotions to their children and vocalize their emotions. A lot of the times when I work with kids, they don't know how to verbalize what they're feeling. And that's because a lot of the times it wasn't modeled for them. Hey child, I'm feeling really stressed out right now because this is what happened at work. You don't have to burden your child with your concerns at work. But one thing that you are doing is you're modeling for them how to verbalize what you're feeling and they watch you on how you're regulating your emotion better. And then they learn from that. Our children Learn by watching. So, just modeling a really healthy way of regulating your emotions, expressing them will also help them express their emotions better than just slamming the door and going into their rooms and not talking to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. Please do not slam doors. So, for all of our listeners, building a good relationship, whether you're a parent with your child or for children to. start opening the door and building a relationship with their parents Mm -hmm. is really important. I would say for therapists out there and mental health professionals who are working with Korean Americans, family is a big part. And as we can see, family has a big influence on the mental health of any Korean American. Mm -hmm. Whether it is the presence of family being a resilience factor, that can build up the Korean Americans who are coming to therapy. Or the absence of those relationships. And so those are things that contributed to those mental health issues. Mm. Family is going to be a big part of all of that. Mm. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We have another one coming up next week, and it looks like uh, episode seven of the season is titled Predicting Psychological Distress Among the COVID-19 Pandemic by machine learning, discrimination and coping mechanisms of Korean American immigrants in the U S. Oh, that's going to be really interesting. Machine learning.
1: See you next time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our episode, please subscribe to our podcast and check out more at musterseedgeneration.org
0: and samuelykim.com to keep these episodes coming rate and share on wherever you listen to this podcast.